0: Our family life was falling apart. It was financially stressful is an understatement and a half. I couldn't even cope with opening up bills. Like, I shut down in a lot of ways. I just had months of bills in a plastic bag. I couldn't figure out how to even cope with anything.
1: Struggling with financial hardship, Marsha Van Weinsberg found a way to turn her life around by harnessing the power of her thoughts. Her journey to heal her financial woes took her on an unexpected path, but ultimately led her to a place of hope and inspiration, and the lessons she learned along the way could help others do the same. Marsha Van Weinsberg is a highly sought-after NLP storyteller and coach, specializing in helping individuals rewrite their money stories and overcome limiting beliefs. With a passion for guiding others towards achieving their financial goals, Marcia shares her expertise in neuro-linguistic programming and the power of the subconscious mind to transform one's perspective and beliefs on money. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask. This podcast, our books, online courses, and newsletter all focus on awakening your money mindset. Our mission is to normalize conversations around personal finance so we can better understand why we do what we do when it comes to money. Bring a little money mindfulness to your life. Follow me on Instagram at Money You Should Ask. Okay, so let's jump right into my conversation with Marcia. Marsha, it's so great to have you on the show. It's been a while. I know we've been trying to coordinate, so I'm super excited to have you here today.
0: I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me, Bob.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have all these questions, but I want to jump to what really struck me the most and why I was a little bit excited. You're an NLP storyteller. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may not be familiar with NLP, for me, it was really an important study learning that I got. And it's part of what I used for Money Nerve and all that stuff. I was already sort of thinking that way about the neurological pathways and all that stuff. But can you say a little bit about what an NLP storyteller is?
0: Yes. So first off, NLP is neurolinguistic programming, and it is really looking at an understanding like the power of your thoughts, the power of your subconscious mind, and how you really see the world. Because some people will look at one situation, some will see possibility and some will see hopelessness. It really is looking at how our mind works and understanding the difference between the conscious and the subconscious mind. And this was one of the biggest things for me that drew me to the work is the fact that our conscious mind is responsible for one to 5% of what we are thinking and feeling and feeling. Right. So that is like the goal setter. So, you know, the person who's always setting the vision boards and they're doing that with their conscious mind. But the subconscious mind is 95 plus percent of who we are. And most of that was created before the age of seven. So we have stories And programs running in our consciousness, which is our body, all day long. I actually just looked this up number yesterday for a podcast. And I think it is 80,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them we repeat every single day. And of those, like 75 plus percent are negative. Wow. So the reason that that's important is because I can set the vision board. I can consciously work so hard to hit my goals. If I don't believe that I can, then I won't. And that is why we can get so close as humans to our goals, but then we self-sabotage over and over and over because we don't believe that we are capable or worthy of achieving it. I selfishly went into this work because of really skipping past a lot of steps of healing and understanding that I'm a pretty tough cookie, but you can't outmuscle limiting beliefs. I've tried my whole life. Right. So it was like, let's stop and step back and actually look at what was holding me back. And the more I dove into the work, the more it was so powerful to learn how powerful our own brain is.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Not just the brain, the body, right? Mm -hmm. You also talk about the body has a story. Mm -hmm. I talk about every story has a cost. I have a background in somatic therapy, body based therapy. and. We hold so much, not just in our brain unconsciously, but our body. We hold so much. And at least for myself, there was a lot of unrecognized trauma that I had to work through.
0: Yeah, I thank you for sharing that. And that's the piece we talk about our subconscious mind. That's like literally our whole body. And so if you've ever been in a situation where you actually have a reaction to something, even though it hasn't happened yet, that's your body getting you ready for stress that you anticipate that's coming. That's not even there yet. And that's really powerful when you start to understand it, but we hold that trauma inside of our body. I don't have the stats on this, but for anybody who's listening, it's really powerful to look at the work to understand that people who have undergone consistent trauma in their life or persistent trauma and have been in a really heightened state of fight or flight, their correlation with autoimmune disorders is incredibly high. I am not a doctor in diagnosing. I'm just saying that we are seeing more and more proof that what we are doing is affecting our body
1: and how we are carrying ourselves. it makes a difference, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanna say about fight or flight. So I used to go into these workshops and I would do these things, or even in my own, just in my life, and I was like, well, I don't flee and I don't fight, I freeze, which is also a form of flight. And so for the longest time, I'm like, but I'm not fleeing. I'm frozen. Mm. So just for those out there that are like me going, well, I'm not fleeing. You're fleeing your body in a way, (laughs) but it is part of the flight. And for a long time, it confused me because I was like, no, I'm here.
0: (laughs) I'm just. (laughs) It really is such a great point because you're right. People might look at it and say, but I don't flight. Like I don't have the flight and I don't fight. Whatever your reaction is, It's really interesting to start to ask yourself, like, how much energy am I spending in this process that's not creating change? And I think, like, for me, I recognize the power of NLP because I was a good fighter. I could fight every (laughs) single battle. like, And I mean, this is, I joke and I laugh, not in a self-deprecating way. This is just recognizing that that was my reaction to trauma from an early age. I was a fighter. And those skills worked for me really well until they didn't. And I think that's the other piece is that we all have strengths. We've learned them. It's how we learn to cope and move through our life. But there does come a point where those strengths, they literally become a weakness. And we have to learn a different way of doing things because we're not achieving what we want to achieve or we're not creating the results that we want to. And we're the common denominator. So we have to start to look at what is it that I could learn to do differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, what excited me is you've got some of these phrases that feel so important to me, um, silenced to outspoken. Mm -hmm. So there's so many people I believe. So I have a belief that we all want to be in connection. We all want to know that we matter and we all want to have impact Mm -hmm. deep, secretly down. Even if most of us don't own that, I truly believe those three things. I agree. So for me, I was living in complete fear. You know, outwardly, I could land on my feet and I would just go, oh, my God how that happened again, right? I was just really lucky a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. I presented really well, but inside I was terrified. And if you got me in a group of people, I could barely say my name, you know, professionally in my office, safe in my chair, I could give all kinds of wisdom, but out in the world, terrified. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was a piece though that kept saying, I wanna have impact, I wanna know that I matter, and I wanna be in connection with people. And the way I'm doing it right now, it's not authentic, it's not real, and I don't believe it. So I had to dive in deeply and look at a lot of stuff, confront a lot of demons, go through a lot. And the reason I do all this is to help other people recognize that they have the power to do it scared, do it shaking, with the quiver in your voice, but show up. Your voice matters. It's unique. It's different. And it matters. Mm
0: -hmm. Your voice absolutely does matter. And I would say like one of the things that people do come to me for and ask is this piece on how do I use my voice? And I can't do it like you can do it. I'm like, okay, but you're looking at like year 10 of doing this. It's just like we compare our chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. And I think that sometimes when you get to chapter 20, like chapter 20, still not chapter 50. So we still always have room to grow. But we have to remember that that chapter 20, like where did we start? And we started when it was messy and I just did it. And so I think this is a piece of it is is that it can be very slippery slope to look at someone else on social media and think I can't do it like they do. But you don't know what chapter you're looking at them in and you don't know their story. I say this all the time. You think you know someone's story because you see one glimpse of their day online and you don't ever know their story. So... Why can't we let someone else who we maybe aspire to be more like, be a guiding light to show you what's possible instead of a comparison piece? And so the messy action, people say to me, how do I even start? I'm like, you do one thing outside your comfort zone. I actually openly share it all the time. I do not hide it. I do not take any of my first work off of any of my profiles. And I leave it all up there because I want people to see that we have to give ourselves room to grow and to get better. So I openly share that video 10 years ago that I went live on Facebook right after hot yoga, looking like a real hot mess and not trying to be perfect. I did that on purpose because I was like, well, this is me. This is not polished. I had a really difficult story. So it actually seemed very incongruent to go online looking perfectly polished when my life was a disaster. That made no sense. So I was like, this is me, take it or leave it. And that messy action piece is something that we all have to put the time in, right? Like the Malcolm Gladwell quote, 10,000 hours. If you want to get better at something, you have to be willing to do that work. So from silence to outspoken, those words really spoke with me because I've always had a voice. And for a number of years, I let that voice shut down because of shame, because of difficulties in my own story. And I started to embrace being outspoken again through the work of NLP. But it's also got an interesting meaning because that was what I was always told I was too much of as a kid. I was too outspoken. I wouldn't stop, you know, you stop using your voice. You're saying too much. You're doing these things. And I'm like, this is who I am. Like, I didn't understand. But when I was 10, I went to my parents and said I wanted to be in a public speaking competition. And they were like, no, no, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? Like, because it's scary. And this was my word back as a 10 year old was like, it's not scary for me. I want to do it. And I fought them to the point that I did. And then I won the region that I was in. And I only say this because I could have bought that story that it was scary to be on stage. But for some reason, I recognized even then that that was their story, not mine. And I wanted to do it. So outspoken has a very special meaning for me.
1: So sometimes outspoken has negative connotations, right? Mm -hmm. Outspoken is too much. Or outspoken means nobody else gets to speak. And I want to say that you being outspoken, me being outspoken, if I'm conscious and aware, I could still allow other people to be outspoken too. It doesn't mean that I have to narcissistically say, only I get to be outspoken and everybody else must be silenced. Mm -hmm. It's that there's room and a warm, wide welcome for everybody to be outspoken if they so choose, right? It's not that everybody must. 100%. So I think for me, it's always important to remind that I'm trying to also hold space for other people. So I want to find my space. I want to find my ground. I want to find my voice. And I want to hold space for other people to imperfectly find their voice and their space.
0: I love that you said that. And yes, it is a distinction. I know that the word outspoken can trigger some people and I'm okay with that because it's like definitely it stirs up a thing that I can't do that. And I'm like, well, when did you start that story? So it's interesting. I also think that by being outspoken shows others what is possible, that they can use their voice in a very respectful way. The other piece is that being able to show up and be outspoken and hold space for others is really important. And we can't hold space for others if we are not listening to what they're saying. And we cannot hold space for others if we are trying to fix and control and manage and do and respond to what they're saying. Sometimes we have to learn how to just hold space for them. Mm. And I think because of the work that I do, I do get a lot of really difficult stories that come my way sometimes. And you know what people need is they just need to hear, I hear you. Thank you for sharing. They don't need us to fix it. So even in those early stages when somebody is like openly just starting to share a story and their voice cracks, they might cry, they might be, that is outspoken for them because that's a huge step for them to be able to start to use their voice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How do you motivate individuals, right? You hear them, you witness them, Mm -hmm. but how do you get individuals to continue working towards their goals, stay focused and hopefully positive, In the midst of challenges, like drug addiction of teens or whatever those, like, we have a lot of challenges on a daily basis.
0: We do. And there's a first piece there is is that we have to acknowledge that we do have a lot of challenges. I mean, I think we're facing a lot of challenges, which makes it really difficult at times. I think that motivating people, we can always only lead ourselves and we can show others what is possible. I can't make anyone do anything, but I can show them what is possible. And that's really important for me as the way I like to say it as a coach is that I'm not one who pushes and pulls you through things. I will stand beside you and cheer you on and show you what's possible. So I think that's a part of it. And being able to recognize the small wins and the things that we've done. So when I just referenced that example about somebody sharing a difficult story, I had one last week and you could see this person was petrified to do it. I didn't push her to do it. I just held space. She spoke and shared her story, absolutely fell apart. And I was like, I am so proud of you. This takes so much courage. She goes, where do I go from here? I'm like, one step at a time. Like right now, you need to honor what you've done today. Because I think we get so caught up in the big goals that we forget to honor the steps that we're taking every single day. Because it's not about the destination, it's about the journey and what we're doing. So I think that's part of it is really honoring those steps. And when we have some of those challenges, I always bring it back to a space of ownership. And again, that's another word that might trigger some people, but ownership is like taking full radical responsibility for ourselves. Like, am I showing up as my best version? What is something I can do for myself today? I'm a human being. I change every single day. Some days I wake up and I can knock it out of the park. And other days I wake up and I'm like, well, this is going to be an interesting day. <laughs> I could literally do everything the same. Yeah. So we have to honor where our bodies are at, where our minds are at, where our capacity is at and have that compassion and grace within ourselves, especially when we're here stepping up to do what I call it's challenging work. It's not easy work. I believe that we're called to it.
1: Absolutely. It is definitely not easy work. I went into it kicking and screaming. I always go into it kicking and screaming, but I know on the other side, the benefit and the value and the insight, Mm -hmm. it's always worth it, even though it's terrifying going in. One of the things you talked about holding space, and I think this is so important being witnessed, holding space for people with so much technology, with all the things on our apps and our phones, and we're all so busy, right? That sometimes. The next step is just sitting and being with it. Mm. I think we don't stop enough sometimes to just say, wow, that was a big share. Wow, I've been holding that for a really long time. And let's just hold that. Because I think we're so busy like, oh, now I get to the next thing. Or I don't want to really actually feel into all of that because I might have to feel some grief Mm -hmm. or some disappointment or whatever it might be. And so I just want to really reiterate this piece about holding space. It's so important. Hold that space. Take some breaths.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that because I think that as much as I am sharing to hold space for others, we have to hold it for ourselves too. And we have to give ourselves that grace. Our devices, like we are literally the most connected, disconnected society ever. So we have to be very mindful. I believe that it's important for each of us to go inward and recognize like, where's my energy going? Because where are those leaks? We have leaks all day long. And the phone is a really slippery, it's a slippery slope. It's a tool. You can use the tool or it uses you. I say that with love because many people are being controlled by their phone at all times. It's a tool that's using you. So how can you use it? And recognizing your energy and what your thoughts are and how you're responding, that might mean like I have real set timers on my phone. I never have notifications on. And I do not follow an account that does not make me feel good. I'm sorry, that's just really important for me. I think that people go, well, shouldn't, you know, you're living in a little box. No, I just recognize my energy. And if I don't resonate with the values of somebody that I'm following, and it's a shiny penny, then I'm like, no. I'm really clear on where my energy goes because that energy is finite. We only have so much every day. And if you're looking to create change in your life and you have nothing left, then that comes back to responsibility. Where are my leaks so that I can you know, fill my cup first so that I can go after what I'm here to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What came up for me is be aware of shiny pennies and objects. (laughs) They can be tricks. There's a lot of them. Shiny objects can be a lot of distractions. You know, we're talking about mindset. We're talking about mental programming and stuff. If we take it to money and make it personal, like I still sometimes struggle with money issues, right? It's forever. But can you tell me about a time where you've personally struggled with money and how you overcame that or how you continue to overcome it?
0: Yes, and I am always real and honest. So I'm going to share with you that there was a time when we were in a space of dealing with teen substance abuse for a number of years. Our family life was falling apart. It was financially stressful is an understatement and a half. I couldn't even cope with opening up bills. like I shut down in a lot of ways. To the point that I even had months of bills in a plastic bag, I couldn't figure out how to even cope with anything. And digging out of that, I know I'm not alone in that, but it's really important that when you're trying to create a shift money-wise too, or anything, don't apply shame to it because shame will never make you change your behavior. It will never make you change a behavior. Doesn't work. Trust me. So what I started to do was like, okay, this is where I'm at. Like, I can't figure out where I want to go until I know where I'm at today. And we went through this time where it was like, I remember sitting down and having to like pull out and figure out bills and start to have some really hard conversations and how am I gonna navigate this? So the thing that I didn't even understand then, I've learned it now, but I was learning it then, is a sense that our thoughts are only ever replaying the past or creating our future. They only do one of two things, that's it. Even when it comes to money, I could have sat in the space of being such a failure. Like, who am I to? All of those things, they come down to worthiness and pieces. And it was like, this is not my reality. This is where I am now, but this is not what I'm creating. So I started writing little things where I would write on my bills, like, thank you for a zero balance in my bills. If I could pay $10 on a bill, thank you for a decreasing balance in my bills. And I recognize I would write it out. I would be like, so thankful that if I had $100 in my account, I used to look at it and go like, you only have $100, how are you gonna do this? Instead, it would be like, I have $100, but I just paid $3,000 worth of bills. Like, look at all the things that I did cover and did do and looking for proof of where I was becoming more and more responsible. And the other thing that I did, and I still do on a regular basis, is I practiced scripting. I started scripting long before I even knew what subconscious reprogramming was. It's not an affirmation. Scripting is writing it out as though it's already done. So, you know, it is May 30th and all my taxes are done. I'm so proud of myself for having this organized. I speak it into existence. I would read it every day. I would talk about money. And this is, I think, the really interesting thing, and it's important. I'm going to tie it back to the very beginning when we started. Don't just write about the money and the dollars that you want. You have to evoke an emotion if you want to create a change. So I would sit in a space, write it down and feel it that I am so proud for what I have done. I'm so proud that I've paid my bills every week. I'm so proud that I've sat down and done this. And then you evoke emotion. So I rewrite that script about every three months. I'm working it towards certain goals. And it's amazing how accurate it has been.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I appreciate you giving the practicality and specifics of scripting so that if somebody listening instead of going, oh, I think I know what they mean. Yeah. You know what she means. Yeah, it's powerful. It is super powerful. I'm wondering if in this transition period, I've got a pile of bills, they're in a plastic bag to grateful mm-hmm. and I'm all about gratitude. It's sometimes for people hard to get to gratitude. Mm-hmm. It feels impossible. So I like to create hiccups in my thinking, right? I like to interrupt my thought process so that if I'm, I'm broke, I'm broke, it'll never ha- whoop, stop catch it. Okay. In the past, I've not been able to pay my bills and I'm working towards something different, right? (laughs) Trying to bridge into a new future. And I'm wondering your thoughts about interrupting patterns or hiccups that I like to call them in this shift, because we don't get there overnight, right? We may go forward three steps and go back two.
0: And you will. Um, You will go forward two steps, back three, over and over and over. I often say that as we create these changes in mindset, like in the beginning, things would take me out of the knees and I'd be out for a week. Now it's like a trip over a speed bump. It's like, oh, okay, get back to, get my thoughts back on track. I believe that we have to become master pattern interrupters, like a ninja. That's how I say it. You have to catch yourself. The faster you can catch yourself, honestly, the faster you're gonna redirect yourself. And you're not lying to yourself. It's just, you're choosing what you see. Because again, we can have the same situation, what glasses I choose, what filter I choose to see it is going to dictate what I see. So it's very important. There was no point, I'm not even going to lie, that point there from bills in a bag to being grateful was not overnight. And it still has its moments, right? All of a sudden up pops a $2,000 bill that was not planned. And it's like, okay, what can we do with this? What can we do with this? It's practice, but I definitely think it is redirecting, like having that master pattern interrupter and then rewrite the sentence in the moment. Find something that evokes emotion for you that rewrites it. So one of the things I used to say all the time is that the universe surprises me. I am surrounded by possibilities and opportunities that come my way every single day. Like every single day, opportunities come my way. And it was amazing that it would allow me to focus on all of a sudden wait, there came $5,000 that I was not expecting on. I'm just being super honest. We had a moment today, my husband started a new job last year and he was four weeks behind what would have been the date for profit sharing. But he's worked as like a dog, he's done all these things. And so he messaged me this morning to tell me what he was gonna get bonus wise, but it was like substantially less than what would have been had he started four weeks earlier. Wow. And in that moment, right, that was just today. And my husband's like, wow, that money would have been really nice. I'm like, it would have. And every part of me wants to scream right now because it's like, okay, we were that close. I said, you know what? We are getting this. I'm grateful for that. And because that dollar was thrown out there, it's available in the universe for us. It's available. So we're just going to keep going and we're grateful for what we have. Right. So redirecting patterns in the minute, in the exact moment, can really
1: help you to see it differently. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of ties into, I believe it's the name of your podcast, Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Yeah. You know, when we don't make a choice, we've made a choice. Always. We're deciding by not deciding. And so for me, one of the things that I really encourage people to do, and I hold myself to this is to really be intentional in what i say and to be very conscious of what i say so that if i can hear my story of like oh my god my life is so sad and i've had to do it all well stop let's get a different story that i want one that's uplifting and a little more fun right but it's so important in my mind that we get conscious of what we've been saying so that we can then have the ability to change it mm-hmm. and to be intentional in how I spend, intentional how I show up in the world. Like I work and strive to be very intentional.
0: I think that's actually a very important piece. And I would say that the intentionality is for everything in our day and how we choose to show up. I think that is incredibly important. And when it comes to it, it's like there've been times where my husband will say we can't afford that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to speak like that. Like I really don't. Instead it's like, I don't choose that right now. That's not what I want right now. It's actually not what I want. Sure, maybe I can't afford to do what this is, but I don't even want that. Like, it's interesting, right? Like, we could look at it and go, I can't afford the $2 million house. I don't even want it. So it's like, why am I doing that to myself? The other piece that I want to share that you just prompted with me, and it's been a very valuable tool. I've used it, and I use it whenever my mindset gets off money-wise. Right back to the day of the plastic bag, I wrote a letter to money, and I wrote it like it was a friend. I thought that was the silliest thing in the world because I was devouring all these books on abundance and money mindset. And I'm like, what do I have to lose? Like, I obviously don't have it figured out, so I'm gonna try it. And I sat down to write this letter and I wrote it like it was a friend. And I'll tell you something, that emotionally brought up a lot. It ended up being a five or six page letter. And it was like, you know what? I actually haven't treated you very well. I'm gonna admit that I have not treated you very well, but I am willing to have a relationship with you and I will respect you Because money is energy. It's not fluffy, but it is energy. And I think it's important. We have to be in a space as humans, as entrepreneurs, that we feel safe. A mentor said this to me. We have to feel safe regardless of where we are. I don't think we're defined by the times that we're winning. I think we're defined by the times that we're not technically So it's really important. Can you feel safe when you're having a low month when you're not having the same sales that you were having? Because that's, I think, is really important. And the letter to money is something that I go back to on a regular basis. And I think it's really important when it comes to our bodies, the stories, what we're telling ourselves and subconsciously feeling safe with having money.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up. In workshops, we exchange wallets and purses and it's amazing what comes up. A bit of shame and a bit of, how am I going to present? But this talking with your money. So I go in and talk with my money. I open my wallet. I talk to my dollars, ask them to bring their friends in. Mm -hmm. Lots of Benjamins would be great. And the thing is, money doesn't have to be serious and painful and very distant from us. Make it fun. Make it playful. Look at your bank accounts and go, bring more of this. Mm -hmm. One thing that I love to do with clients that will come in and say, I've just inherited 100000 bucks" or I just got a windfall is I ask them to just leave the money in the bank for 30 days and watch people have a meltdown when they have to leave more money in the bank than they're comfortable with.
0: I love that idea. <laughs> I heard somebody say, like imagine that you won $100,000 and you took that check to the bank and the bank said we have to put a 10 day hold on it even though it's <laughs> like it's active and it's real. So you as a person, you know that money's there. How are you gonna show up? What are you gonna do? And I've used that example multiple times. It's like, it's in my account. How am I going to show up? Am I going to buy something different today because that money's there, or am I still the same person? And so I think that's a great exercise. I love it.
1: Yeah. The more we can get conscious, the more we can make it a little bit fun because mm-hmm. it can be heavy and actually welcome all that comes in. Like when we do the wallet exercise with people, if there's grief, feel the grief. Yeah. You don't need to judge it. You know, my experience has been, and I was just working with somebody the other day lot of anger. And I asked them to explore their compassion. And there was a possibility of grief. And then they just came back to me and said, oh, my God, I couldn't find the compassion until I realized I'm grieving. Mm -hmm. There's so much out there. It's okay. Like, welcome it. Bring it in. Love it. Don't judge it. And just be with it. Give it space. It's a journey.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of power in what you're saying with emotions. And I think that as a society, we have stopped feeling those emotions. Like we work to push them down and keep going. And I think that there's enough of us that are, there's proof that doesn't work. Like it doesn't work to not feel. Yeah. We're meant to feel <laughs> we're meant to feel those emotions. And emotions are like literally energy in motion. They're meant to move through you. You're not meant to hold on to them. And if I can take it back to NLP for one second that I think that is a powerful way to understand. How we hold on to our stories, our limiting beliefs subconsciously, we hold on to emotions in the order of anger, sadness, fear, shame, guilt, and hurt. So if you feel like who doesn't hold on to some of those emotions in any context, right? So when you start to be able to strip away some of those limiting beliefs and those stories that are involved with anger, all of a sudden sadness comes up and then all of a sudden hurt comes up and shame comes up. It's a lot to start to release them, especially if you haven't practiced releasing them on a regular basis, but you have to learn how to change those triggers, those reactions, the stories that are there, because you can't outmuscle a limiting belief. You can't outwork a limiting belief. You can't change a money story without going back to knowing what those roots are of your story.
1: Absolutely. And I want to say to the listeners out there, because this used to be me, I would say, that's true for everybody but me. Mm -hmm. It's true for everybody. It is. Including those of you that are saying, except me. No, including you. Including you. Mm -hmm. All of us. Wow. Well, Marcia, we are at the Fast Five, so we're going to shift the energy a little bit. You know, I love this stuff, so I'm very passionate about these conversations because they're so important, and I'm so grateful for all the people that were little angels that guided me and believed in me when I didn't, so... Mm Yeah, I could talk hours for about this stuff, but we're at the Fast Five. And the Fast Five is brought to you by the Money Nerve. If you would like to test your money nerve, go to testyournerve.com for a free quiz on your relationship with money. All right. So we're going to have some fun, hopefully. Okay. Hopefully they're not too challenging. What's one way that you relieve stress after a long day?
0: Mm, I take my dog out for a walk. I am like a mover, I like to move, or I will sit down with a comedy or I cook. I actually like cooking.
1: Oh, awesome. And then you get a tangible reward. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I do. I'm a bit of a geek for healthy food cooking. I am. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the most regrettable purchase you've made and why did you regret it?
0: Oh, wow. I think I'm going to say anything I've bought on an impulse. I really am not a big shopper. I'm not, which is funny. Hmm. I remember buying a dress once that I felt almost like I needed it for a function and I didn't like it. It didn't fit me right. And I was so tired of looking for something else. I brought it home, put it on, hated it, couldn't return it. And it was like, I will not buy in a pressure situation. So I would say probably a piece of clothing is something like that, that I've regretted.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bought a few of those myself.
0: But everything is teaching me something.
1: Exactly. Always a lesson. Yeah. What's one of your personal stories that it took you a long time to own? Mm -hmm.
0: That I, as a parent who dealt with teen substance abuse, that I did not fail as a mother and that I could take responsibility for my role in how it all unfolded and that I could do something good for others, which actually ended up being for myself and our family at the same time by learning to use my voice and share it.
1: Yeah. As you say that, I think about all the parental guilt out there, people that beat themselves up and take themselves out. And I think compassion and self-forgiveness is such a big part of healing and moving forward.
0: Huge. And parental guilt is no joke. It's huge. And I mean, I think we have parental guilt no matter what our kids do or don't do, because we always have pieces that we think we could have done better. But one of the things I just learned to do is like in the grand scheme of things, based on what we had to deal with in those years, did I do everything that I could possibly do? And the answer was absolutely. I did every single thing I could. Yeah. So that has to be enough sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Marsha, what's one thing that we wouldn't know about you from your resume or anything that would be really interesting to know?
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's a good one. That I come across as having like a really strong outside feature. And I do like I am a strong person. I know that. But I'm pretty soft hearted. I have a really big heart and I want to see other people win. And you can find me watching pretty much any sports movie. That's the true story of somebody overcoming something. You could see me watching it a 100 times over. I love those things. And I could be in the kitchen and I'm like, is that Coach Carter? My husband's like, he just turned the channel quickly. He's like, yes. And I'm always teasing him and I'm like, it could be worse. I could be the girl who's watching all the reality love shows. I'm not. So I'm like
1: the sports. I love those kind of movies. Yeah. Be grateful. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. What could someone tell you that would convince you to do something that you didn't want to do at first?
0: Something, if it was somebody that I trusted and they could show me the results of how it worked out for them, then I might be more open to seeing it or trying it. I definitely would come from a space of trust first. It has to be somebody I trust to know.
1: Love it, love it, love it. Well, we are at the sweet spot, M&Ms, money and motivation. Marsha, do you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you could share with our listeners? Something that's worked for you.
0: Yes, I talk a lot about being vulnerable and being open. Don't be afraid to speak to experts to get help and say like, am I too late to start? Am I too this? Like, am I too? Because I felt that for a long time. And ironically, it's my son who's actually the certified financial planner. And he sat down with us and mapped out like the next 15 years in ways that felt really good. But it's not easy to sit down with your grown son and say, this is where we're at. And can you help us with this? And he set us up with meeting all these people and we were able to do these things. You can't change a story until you're willing to own where you are and get help from people who are able to really make that shift and change with you. And I'll tell you, there's way more opportunities and possibilities than you think. We think it's like one way. There's one way there. And we've done it with very small, regular contributions, and it's amazing how things can add up. So you can change your story in a very short period of time when you choose to be open, ask for help, and then stay on that course on a continuous basis.
1: Yeah, it reminds me when you were just sharing that about asking for help and, right, we don't like to do that or we don't like to ask the foolish questions. But I saw a great saying the other day, ask a question, be a fool for five minutes. Or don't ask the question and possibly be a fool for life.
0: Oh, that is such a great quote. Honestly, and I love that. And I think, why don't we ask the question? And it's really because we're afraid of how we're going to look. We're afraid that we're not, listen, we're not here to know every single thing of every single thing that's possible in this world. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, recognizing that and asking and being vulnerable and just letting go of how is this going to look because I remember talking to him and I was like, I don't know, are we too late? Like, we've, we're trying to catch up on 10 years. That was a disaster. And he's looked at me and he's like, Mom, compared to what I see, you're doing fine. Like, it has to be enough. And I think that's a piece of it is it really brought a peace of mind in having that difficult conversation.
1: Yes. And most of us are not well-trained in having difficult conversations and learning to stay for the hard parts. And that's one of the things that I really encourage people to do is learn to stay learn to have the conversation, set some ground rules, but have those conversations so that you can actually move through them instead of avoid them. So-
0: 100%, avoiding them moves you nowhere. Moves you nowhere. No.
1: Marsha, this has just been such an amazing conversation. We're on the same page on a lot of stuff where I really resonate with a lot of what you say. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is to show up, get intentional, do the work and learn to ask for help because Mm -hmm. so many of us have stayed- in a limiting belief system for a long time. And for me, I like to call it the under voice, that voice when I say, I want a million bucks. And the voice behind it goes, you can never have it. You don't deserve it. That's the voice I need to get to know, (sighs) not the outward voice. So the more we can start to get familiar with that voice that wants to come in, tell us we might not be enough, tell us that we're not worthy. We can tell that voice, hey, you might've saved me in the past and you thought you were protecting me. But I'm going to let you go. Thanks for the service that you gave me. And Mm. I'm ready for my next chapter. I'm ready for a new story. So, Marsha, where can people find you online and social media?
0: First off, thank you so much for having me, Bob. And I love how you just summarized all that up because I I was like, yep, that's pretty much what we covered. (laughs) And I'm grateful to be here. I am because you allowed me to step into the money aspect of like rewriting a story And compared to where Mm -hmm. we were eight years ago, it's night and day. Is it perfect? No, but we definitely have a much better relationship with money than we ever did. So I appreciate having this conversation with you. You can find me anywhere. If you start typing on Google, Marsha Van W, it's me. Like that's the nice thing we'll have in my long last name. That's my website. That's my social media It's everywhere there. And then my podcast is called Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And we are into episode like 550-ish right now. So it's been beautiful, grateful experience. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Anywhere to make it super
1: easy for you. Awesome. We will share that in the show notes and all that stuff. I so appreciate you coming on, sharing your wisdom, your perspective. Folks out there listening, you got this. You are not alone. You can do it. Show up, have some impact, and let your voice be heard. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey there, Money Master. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn some valuable insights around your relationship with money? Our guests shared some of their financial epiphanies. You might've experienced one too. Don't just sit there with that aha moment. Share it with us and the world by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform or leave a comment on one of our socials, at Money You Should Ask. Let's spread the word and help others explore their financial health too. But that's not all. Do you wanna live in abundance and build wealth that can sustain you and your family for generations to come? It only takes one thing, the willingness to change the way you think about your money. It's time to test your money nerve and discover what's been holding you back from financial freedom. Take the free quiz now at themoneynerve.com and begin your journey towards a prosperous future.